This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Justin. Yeah. How, uh, how many employees do you normally deal with on a daily basis in your large <laughs> empire of a business that you... Well, I don't have any physical employees, but I do have, uh, I do have some virtual, some virtual ones from time to time. So, uh, maybe, uh, not, not a ton. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I, um, uh, I, I do know that you, that the marketing geeks podcast, as soon as we crack 10 listeners from our seven, we are going to get like, we're going to, we're going to hire a whole bunch of employees to like, get me my meatballs and, uh, coffee and coffee and, coffee and meatballs, which is what powers the marketing geeks. But it, when you do that, you gotta, you gotta have like, you gotta look out for your employees. So how do you deal with like, you know, all of that employee advocacy, that type of thing. You know what I'm talking about? You don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but you know, who does <laughs> our guest, our guest. And I'm going to tell you who that guest is right after this, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the marketing geeks. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, thank you. Uh, our guest tonight is Glenn Good. 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 God. Thank you. He's the founder CEO of Gagalamp, the first employee advocacy platform designed to leverage employees and supercharge your marketing efforts. Uh, Glenn and his team work to help companies and their teams create powerful outcomes by tapping into stakeholders as advocates and placing the greatest focus on engagement and the power of true community. Uh, and, and I'm dying to find out what this is about. He's also the author of Connection Community and Conversation, Making Social Media Work for Your Business. Ladies and gentlemen, Glenn Gugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugugug
they competed against a company you probably have heard of called Cisco. And we were talking about their their social media, which 10 years ago, social media was still a thing, but it's not as prevalent as it is now. And they had done nothing. I mean, they're, they're really nothing. And they were competing against a company that was kind of the 800-pound gorilla in the space. And they were very, very active uh, in social as well as in, in other mediums. And... Uh, I said, well, you know, we're kind of starting from scratch, right? So I said, you know, how many employees do you have? He goes, well, we got about a thousand. I said, well, what if we got those employees to help us out? Maybe share some content, maybe get engaged for us. And he said, oh, that's, that's a good idea. So I, I thought the interview went well. I went home that night and I looked for the solution that could do what I articulated earlier that day with the CEO, and I couldn't find one. So long story short, I, I made a decision to not pursue the job, but instead start the company and, and build out this platform. And so coming back to what it is, it's it's... It's a platform that companies can use to make it super easy for their employees to participate with the digital marketing efforts that the company is is trying to accomplish. So, you know, any company has certain corporate goals, which roll down into the marketing goals. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how do you now get all of these people who are in your company and presumably have a certain amount of affinity? to participate since they themselves have access to social networks and really anything now digitally. And so how do you capture that, that uh, affinity, make it super easy and fun for them to participate? And that's what you use our platform to do. And as a result, you can actually align what the employees are doing with what the overall marketing strategy needs to be. Okay. Can, so can you give us like a like a like a kind of a real world example of yeah. how that would work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so say you've got a, a common thing, you've got a company, let's say you've got a few hundred people in the company, right? And you probably have some subject matter experts in that company. And maybe there you've got five subject matter experts on, I don't know. AI and marketing, right? That's what they do all day long. That's what they think about. They're, they're, they might be in the product side, the engineering side, whatever they are, they're people who are really thinking deep about this. So what you may do on our platform is identify those five people and ask them to jump into a conversation that's taking place maybe on Twitter that, the, um, that one of the influencers in the industry is having. So now you've got five of your people who have been kind of point marketing points them at this using the platform. And then once that conversation is taking shape, then you can have the rest of the employees actually go and retweet that conversation to give it even more lift. So it's a combination of really thinking about the kinds of conversations and engagements we want to have and who the right people in the organization who are best suited for that. Now, now this is this is actually a really important concept because uh, the the project I'm working on right now, uh, one of the it's funny because they spent um, uh, an, just an unbelievable amount of money on digital advertising, and uh, the results for the responses that we got for contact were very minimal. And meanwhile, I've been just on LinkedIn, just should, you know, creating content and sharing it. And uh, we have almost the same results and, and, and I don't get, you know, it's free. The problem is, is that it, it obviously will go a lot further if the people in the company would help with that. And, and sometimes it's an uphill battle just for someone to hit, you know, like or share or even write a post or, or co-write a post. So it seems like, you, you know, and I cannot, I cannot express enough how much this really helps the cause. So, so what, what has been the results from introducing this type of platform? Well, the key is you, there's a few things. One is the platform provides over 50 different activities you can have your uh, employees participate in. 
So it might be like I, I talked about, you know, jumping in on a conversation, a digital conversation. It might be asking people to, you know, something as simple as a retweet. It could also be, hey, you know, here's a question. Answer the question. The answer that the employee puts down as the um, uh, into the the answer of the question now actually becomes the tweet or the LinkedIn post or whatever. So what you're able to really do here is not only capture a lot of people, but also add a level of authenticity because you're actually getting the employees and you're not freeforming it and saying, just write a tweet. You're, you're giving them some guardrails to say, hey, you know, what's your thought on X? And as a result now, you get all this authentic conversation that takes place. When you get authentic conversation, you get engagement. When you get engagement, you get relationships. Wow. So, so has there been like uh, metrics that you have uh, logged that shows when employees really engage with social media and join the conversation, as they say, that there is, how, what are the, what are the effects of this? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting because it's going to tie back to what the company is intentional about. Like what are the outcomes that they want? Are, are they doing this because they want lead generation? Are they doing this because they want share of voice? Are they doing this just because they want brand awareness, right? So there's there's a lot of things that you can go after. But one of the interesting things that comes out of this, and we give you a whole, you get a dashboard and it tells you, you know, how you're doing in all these areas. But some of the, some of the more interesting things that came up that weren't expected was when you get employees actually engaged in participating in this, you see a direct impact on the culture and the affinity that they have for the organization. So it tends to be a win-win because not only are they engaged in, in, in what's going on in the business and sharing that to the outside world, but they're also actually increasing their own influence among their peers on, on their social networks. So they're not standing in the sidelines, they're participating in the game. Exactly. And, you know, going back to your earlier point, you had mentioned that, you know, sometimes people aren't willing to even just click a button. And the reason for that, a lot of times they don't know what button to click, believe it or not. So there's a fear associated with, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right thing at the right time? Is this the right place? So there's a lot of things that if you just make it simple and fun for the employee, that's when people jump in. Now, do you do you employ any level of like gamification in this we do. Uh, software? We do. Tell me Absolutely. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So so every time you do an activity, and you can always say no thanks to an activity. By the way, there, there's no downside to saying no thanks, but there is an upside if you say, sure, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this you get points. And those points can go to the leaderboard that's built into the system. Uh, there's a reward system. So an example might be, you know, depending on the size of the company, I, I know some companies do like, if you get so many points, you get an employee parking spot, you know, that's like right at the front door, or you're having lunch with the CEO, or you're just getting a thank you in the employee newsletter. I mean, so it, it, this is not really a monetary thing that what this is, is it's just, you know, it's, it's a way to really recognize people and add a little bit of fun and a little competitiveness. So how, how did you come up with this idea initially? Like what was the, where, what were you doing before this? And then what was the genesis of the idea? And then what happened from there? Sure. Well, my background has been in marketing. I've I've had almost every different marketing role there's been in companies. But um, more, more previously, uh, I had been a chief marketing officer. Uh, and so when I was interviewing for that, that's where this idea came from is just like, you know, we've got to play some catch up because the, the company I was interviewing with really had no presence digitally. Right. Uh, and so how do you catch up? to somebody that's doing it every single day and has built up followings. And remember, this is 10 years ago, right? So if you think about it in that context, it kind of makes sense that, well, what does the company have for assets that, that are being underutilized? It's employees, right? 
most employees have a LinkedIn account. Most employees have a Facebook or, or Twitter account. And it's the kind of thing, they may be active, they may not be active, but chances are it's kind of table stakes now just to at least have an account. And, and so when you actually tap into that and you make it fun, you make it easy, it tends to take on a life of its own and people start to see the value of it. And they get excited about it because now they're participating in conversations. And let me step back a little bit, though, because, you know, one of the challenges that we saw early on, and there's probably still some stragglers out there, is this idea of control of the message. Now, let's go in the Wayback Machine. Who could speak on behalf of the company back in the day? CEO. <laughs> yeah. CEO. Yeah, definitely one. Or someone like the, the uh, it would be like the publicity manager yeah, the, the or PR, the, the PR person. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Somebody who's been through some training, they've been anointed by somebody in the company saying, yes, you can speak for the company. How does that hold up today? Not, well, I mean, it, it take, creates a lot of work for one person, you know, unless you, you, you have a dedicated team that is constantly doing that. But uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to be, I mean, nobody listens unless you're like a super big, unless you're Elon Musk, right? No one's yeah. going to listen to the one person. Sure. But it's also not very scalable. Well, I think, but I think also, uh, even though the the CEO and PR person, I mean, they still kind of are the one, the voices of the company, but all employees sure. now have a voice through social media. Correct. And uh, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. So, um, it, yeah, if, so, if there's a disgruntled employee, they can do some damage to the brand or they can help the brand, depending on uh, how you're nurturing that relationship. That's right. And, and the way I uh, talk to our clients is is really, really simple conversations are being had with or without you. Yeah. And so you can either actively participate in a positive way or just wait for the negativity to come up. Right. Yeah. Right. And and especially like in this day and age where like if you're a restaurateur, one bad lemonade can cost you <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a free for all with negativity, right? People like to jump on the negativity. And and so, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, because if you think about it right now, one of the big issues that's happening, particularly with a you've seen this with some some tech firms out there like Google has had this situation is employee activism. And this is when employees themselves go outside the company, but they do it in such a large way that it makes a lot of news and it's usually not positive. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of Google employees that weren't happy about what uh, Google wanted to do, selling some uh, capability to China. Right. right? Or, do you remember that? Yeah. And Project Maven, which was uh, creating uh, cloud-based services for the military. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, you know, kind of interesting when, you, when you're fostering a, um, uh, a culture in which you, you know, you can't speak or you're controlled speaking, what's going to happen? It's just, it's going to boil over. Yeah. In fact, uh, the thing that I've noticed is that there was a, a huge trend when social media really became a thing, like around 2007, uh, I, I was working for uh, the most evil corporation in the world whose name rhymes with Comcast. <laughs> and um, I was... I, I, it was like, it was like a absolute, like, do not talk about the business whatsoever on social media, unless it's like super, you know, positive. And they were very like, it was fireable offense. And now it's like a lot of companies have not only loosened that, but they actively kind of want the employees to participate. And, and so, so uh, when you, when you were with this company, you were interviewing and you had this conversation. So this idea came up like in, in an interview. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. It did. It, so, it just, it seemed like an obvious thing to me, right? Cause I'm, yeah. it's like, all right, well, we're competing against somebody who's doing something really, really well. We need something of a game changer and we're not going to be able to do it by just creating a couple of social handles and hoping for the best. Right. So, so, uh, did you develop this platform while you were working at this company or did you start doing this on the side? Like what happened from there? So I didn't go, I didn't take the job. Oh, I started this company instead. Wow. So you, you, you literally like, as you're talking to, to, to the recruiter, you have this idea and then you're like, you know what, come to think of it, 
I, I'm just going to go do this. Listen, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Jack, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I had the, I had a conversation with the CEO of the company and that night I went home and I was looking for what I could use because, you know, I came up with this idea that I thought was pretty good. You know, the CEO thought it was a pretty good idea. And I'm like, all right, so I need the tool that can help me do this. And so when I went home, it just didn't, I, I did a lot of searching and I'm, I'm scratching my head. I'm saying, look, this, this isn't rocket science. You know, somebody must have figured this out before me. And, but I couldn't find anything. So did the, did the job that you interviewed for, did they become a client? Interestingly enough, um, I, I'm trying to think if, if they did. I don't think they did. Oh, you should give them a call, man. That's a sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know. You know, it's funny. I, I, what I didn't do is I didn't keep in touch with the CEO, which is rule number one, keep uh, the bridges alive. But I didn't, I didn't yeah. do that. Because I got consumed. It's really interesting. I got consumed by this idea. I got consumed by the concept. And, you know, I, I, I think it was October where I had the idea. In November, I started the company. And uh, in April, we had our first, uh, you know, minimally viable product that we went into beta with. And what's interesting, we did three things, three things. You could share a message on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Well, things have changed a lot, and we do over 50 different activities now and, and have some pretty amazing reports around that. That's incredible. So, so uh, now, uh, first of all, how did you how did you go ahead and build it? Did you have like a little bit of savings that you ran through? Were you working, you know, still on the side? Like, <laughs> what was that building process like? Because we had a guest on who had a software as a service, and he said that the way you uh, build your software as a service is you open the window and you throw a bunch of money out of the window. <laughs> And then you build your I platform. believe you said you light it on fire. <laughs> yeah, you light it on fire. So, uh, what uh, what what was that like for you? And how how did you get it built? Did you get contractors? Like, how did, what was that about? Well, I'm not a coder. You don't you don't want me to code? No, of course <laughs> so, not. You're a marketer. Why why would you code? <laughs> so, my, my first thing is I needed to really find somebody that had the technical chops that could actually build this and, or, or at least direct the building of it. And, um, uh, and I was fortunate enough to, to meet my co-founder, uh, at, at, a, at a brunch. Uh, his name is Jason Nocklin and, you know, we hit it off. I, I told him about the idea and uh, kind of the rest, as they say, is history. Wow, that's that's incredible. So he, you, and him started to work on it together, and mm -hmm. then and and it didn't take very long to launch it. I guess, right? I mean, you said you it was up and running pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know, frankly, the first version was it. It was a first version. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was good enough where we were able to get a few dozen companies to actually test it out in a beta program. So we did a free beta program and we learned so much in that. We learned what, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. I mean, because now when you, when you're, when you get lots of people now to do something, wow, it, it has, it has tremendous impact. It can have, it can have positive impact. It can have negative impact if you're not, if you're not careful. Right. So that, that was an incredible learning experience for us. That first year was incredibly powerful. Um, so what, what were the big takeaways for you? Like if, if somebody wanted to build their own software as a service type company, what were the big kind of takeaways that you would impart to other people? I think the, the big takeaway is you've, you've got to be able to communicate your idea and you've got to be able to do it in such a way where others can see the vision that you see. Because in the early days, you're, you're essentially recruiting. You're not only recruiting partners, but you're, you're recruiting potential customers. Mm -hmm. And so if you can't articulate it, then, it be, then you, know, you really can't hire somebody else to do that for you. So the messaging, you'd say, was a key element there? Absolutely. I, I, I'm, if, remember... You, you know, before you even have a product, you have to you have to establish the vision 
and get other people to buy in who might be the ones building the product. So when you when you watch this thing, what were your um, were you just pulling from your Rolodex of clients you've worked with, or, or were you were you actively running ads, or you scrubbing on LinkedIn? Like how were you finding your first clients to go from idea to business? I <laughs> I scoured my LinkedIn contacts, uh, and I asked for people. I basically said, "Here's what I'm doing." If you know of somebody that would even be remotely interested, they get to use my product during the beta program, absolutely free of charge. Please let me know. Uh, and it was it it was one of those things where it it just generated enough interest where I got uh, a couple of dozen companies of different shapes and sizes to actually try it out and. Then we went from a uh, a free beta into a paid beta, and that was that was an interesting scenario because you know some people call it the penny test, right? Would you be willing to pay a penny for this? Yeah. And the good news is, you know, we went from free beta to okay. Well, what's our equivalent of a penny? Well, let's charge them twenty five bucks a month, or what, what? However many people were using it didn't matter. 25 bucks a month. And, and we kept most of them. Really fascinating. So you knew you had something. Yeah. And it, actually, you know, one of the early adopters of our technology was um, a, a company that we were in the same building with at the time, which was HubSpot. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So, so you have, you have, uh, you got people kind of bored, you, you built the the system uh, now, what what would be the types of things that that and it's similar to the question I asked earlier, but what would be the types of things that a company would use this for as far as, uh, you know, either creating buzz or, or you know, like like how how what would be the practical ways a company would want to use this type of technology? Yeah. So, you know, you never want to start with the technology. You always want to start with the the outcomes and the goals that you have on the marketing side. Mm -hmm. So so what are the outcomes and the goals that, that you're looking for? Are you doing lead gen? Is this an awareness campaign? You know, what are you trying to accomplish? And then what you do is you build a series of activities around supporting that outcome. So maybe you're doing a recruiting drive. Maybe there's a whole bunch of positions you need to hire for. So one of the things you can do is ask your employees to write a review in Glassdoor. So we make it super easy for them to know exactly where to go. They click a button. It takes them right there. They, and, and they put in, you know, what it's like to work at this company on Glassdoor. Now, most people think of that as, oh, okay, well, that's, it's, it's always an after effect, right? Which is, holy crap, somebody wrote something negative about the company. Well, usually it's because they're on their way out at that point. <laughs> and you haven't asked them when they're actually at the company and feeling good about the company to actually write something. So, so again, it depends on outcomes. So part of what you're doing is you're really just kind of telling the, the employees what you want them to do, and you're doing it in a systemized way. So you created a system that's uh, actually kind of spelling out the, the tasks that are going to boost the social media profiles and get the outcomes that you want. Right. Which I think, which is very, very simple on the surface. And I know that you're using tons of technology behind it and gamification to offer incentives and rewards to make it actually happen. Uh, but from a very surface standpoint, it's kind of just like, let's, this is what I want you to do. Here's how to do it. Now click this button. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or say no thanks, which or, is cool yeah, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because you never want an environment where you're forcing anyone to do anything. Completely. But you're asking the question is what I think is most That's important. right. So what would be, what would be like some of the ways that you, cause you know, some people just don't feel comfortable sharing their work stuff with their network. So what would be some of the strategies you'd want to employ to prime the pump, get people kind of excited about the idea around this? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it really is. It's a, it's a way of thinking, right? So you, you need to get out of the thinking of buy my widget. So we're not asking the employees just to be pitch people. What we're doing is we're asking the employees to have value add conversations in the industry. And when you have them have value add conversations and engagements, what, what takes place? 
they start to have those. They start to create relationships and they benefit from that just as much, if not more than the company does. Yeah, 100 percent. You're basically building thought leaders in your own industry and you're branding them to your company. But yeah, if they want to move on to a different company later on, that that's also going to follow them. Right. So it's it's totally a win-win for employees and for the business, which I think is great. And I think every employee these days should have some level of a personal brand that they're building. Now, uh, kind of to Andres's point there too, though, like, because I run into this a lot, there are people that are great at their jobs or they're great, even some entrepreneurs are, are talented, but they're like terrified of sharing their photos, sharing, you know, putting anything out there online. Is there a way that you would approach that? Or is that what you just kind of said? Or uh, how, how do you handle that? Or you just, you just let those people kind of uh, do their own thing and, and they don't have to participate? Yeah. I, so, so this is another thing that I think is, is more of a mindset thing. You know, um, let me ask you a question. In any company, what activity other than collecting the paycheck does a company get all of their employees to do all the time? Lunch? Uh, steel, <laughs> steel <laughs> office products? <laughs> uh, meetings, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, why is the expectation that you want them to do everything you're asking them to do all the time? I mean, let's face it. You send out the corporate newsletter. What percent of them actually read it? You might get a, you, maybe you get a few percent that actually open it. And then some percent of those will read it. And it's the same concept. It's like, don't set an expectation that everyone's going to do everything you ask for them. But what you want to do is you want to create the environment where it's compelling for them to want to do it. And you get enough traction from the people who are doing it, where those people who are doing it are seeing value. And they tell the other people in the company and say, hey, I'm part of this program. It's I'm seeing great results for me and the company. That's how you do this. Right. So you you get the buy-in just from the standpoint of, you know, does everybody want to stay employed? You know, yeah. you yeah. <laughs> a little heavy. We need business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, so you, you, you started this business and how long did it take you f for you to become kind of solvent where you were like, Hey, I can actually pay my bills on this. Uh, <laughs> So it was interesting what you don't think about. You're like, oh, OK, well, I've got savings. I can last a certain period of time. But what you tend to forget in that is that in the early days, um, like the first year, we had no revenue. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're not only you're not only not making money from a company, but you're burning through your own personal um, savings. Yeah. So that was a really interesting experience. I'm not sure I completely planned correctly for that. But that being said, we made it through. Yeah. And there, um, you know, first year, we, like, I, I think the first year we did, because we were in beta most of the year, I think we made like $5,000. Um, but second year, we actually had regular pricing. And that's where we started to see the momentum. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were able, I was able to start paying myself, I think, uh, by the end of year two. Nice. So yeah. what, what, what was the type? So what kind of marketing do you do to market your company now? Like, uh, aside from being on the world famous marketing geeks podcast, what, what other, how do you get the word out about what you're doing and, 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 you know, signing people up or is it, is, do other people recommend it? Like what, what type of outreach are you doing right now for your own marketing? Well, our, our, our biggest marketing component is word of mouth. I mean, we get more leads, we get more business from people referring other people or companies referring other companies to us than anything else. That said, we also have, we have a full marketing mix, right? So not only do I do this podcast with, with you all, but I actually host a podcast called Amp Up Your Digital Marketing. And it's a great opportunity for me to have digital marketing discussions, not just employee advocacy, but digital marketing discussions. So I learn a lot from that, but that helps get the word out. The other thing that we do is, you know, what you would want to expect. I mean, we have a digital strategy. We have a marketing strategy. And yes, we use our own product. And it really works well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, could you, like, could you apply basically this employee advocacy program to your customer base 
and incentivize them to, you know, spread the word and kind of find a systematized way of uh, increasing word of mouth by using your own software. Would that be a possibility? Is that something you've explored at all? Yeah, we we actually had um, a program where we work with different organizations and we give them access to our technology for free. And in return, what we ask is, you know, when we have some things we'd like for them to share to their community, that they do it. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, so what's kind of what's kind of next? I mean, like, uh, as far as as you know, the the whole nature of social media is changing. The you know there there there's going to be a big crackdown on you know bots and uh, trolls. So have you have you had been swept up a little bit in that where you're you get flagged for stuff because it's all coming from the same IP? Like what what issues have you had to work around in the past like couple of years? Well, I think the advantage that we have is we've been we've been you know partnering with the social networks for you know it'll be nine years this fall, right? Wow. And and we've seen the evolution of the APIs being a little kind of loosey goosey, very, very open to more structured. Um, certainly they, they, they put more provisions in what you can't do, what you can do. And so we've been able to evolve as they, as they evolve, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, they have a hiccup and, and we feel it harder. Um, but that's the nature of the business. And, and so what we want to be is good corporate players with our social media platform partners to make sure that we're we're doing things and we're helping companies do the right things on the platform. That's the other thing is, you know, it's by leveraging you know, a, a tool like ours, you know, we have people who are focused on, you know, what's the right and wrong things to do out there in the different platforms. And, you know, in order for us to be in business this long, it means, you know, the, the platforms trust us. So uh, you got to deal with a lot of APIs, obviously. We sure do. And, and what, so, in the let me ask you in the in the past few years, what has been the the, the changes in social uh, that has surprised you most? Mm, that's a great question. I I think that the to some degree the the idea of openness in the beginning was crucial for it to get the tipping point that it did and i uh-huh. and i there were some some bad actors out there that took advantage of the openness and we've there's been plenty of news around that and what's taken place and i i think the the challenge that is in front of the social networks now is to figure out how do they have a good environment that doesn't turn into a toxic environment, um, yet at the same time be mindful of things like free speech. Yeah, I don't think it's an easy answer. I, I don't think it's an all technology answer. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can just programmatically say this is right, this is wrong. So I think that there's there's been a, a in um, there's been a gradual change on their part, and sometimes not so gradual. That is going to um, I think follow us in the years to come as well is we're going to see some of these challenges as they try to figure out what's the best way to do it. And it's not just, it's just not the automation thing. It's just not the, you know, the, the automated bots out there. There is a way to programmatically look at, at behavior around that, but it's more about, you know, what, what's the right thing to do where you actually get great discussions happening out there. Um, you know, without it becoming too toxic. And it's just, it's, you know, it, it it's hard because what one person thinks is toxic, another person might think is actually value add. It's really a hard thing. And, and then there's just plain with. old plain old trolls out there, you know. There are. Old. There are. Um, yeah. So so what do you think But what think, makes a troll? Right? What Toxicity. Anonymity makes a troll. Oh, <laughs> see, to me, one of the things is with within the social networks themselves, the fact that you know certain platforms lend themselves more than others to anonymity, 
And it's in the anonymity where I think things can become toxic. But from their point of view, they may not think they're toxic at all. They think they're engaging in a must-needed conversation, mm -hmm. right? So it, that's where it gets a little hard. So do you think, just unrelated question, but do you think that big tech should be broken up? Do I think that big tech should be broken up? Yeah, I mean, there's like in the sense of like, for instance, I, I heard one proposal that said if Google really wanted to make things fair, they would make their... Uh, algorithm, uh, not open source, but open just so we know what the, their algorithm is looking like. And then uh, Google is just the advertising company, but the uh, the Google search engine itself becomes more of a, a public type of entity. Uh, you know, so, uh, and then, and then of course people have talked about, you know, Facebook being too big and that that should be broken up in some manner. Same thing with Amazon. Yeah, but I heard uh, the same thing back in the '90s about Microsoft. Oh yeah, yeah. But do you, do you do you think that do you think that these companies are wielding too much power? I mean, for instance, the, we were talking about Project Maven, uh, which is you know Google's initiative to create AI uh, for the military. But uh, but there were other you know, and the question is, do we do this or do we not do this? But if we don't do it, then there's only three other people that are capable of doing this. It's Microsoft, Oracle, and Amazon. And so, you know, it, it's a matter of, you know, standing by principles or doing business, but also there's becoming fewer and fewer players who can actually do these types of things. I don't think that's super great, personally. Yeah, I, I, there's no question that they have power, right? Um, and there tends to be concentration of power. But I also, I mean, I believe in the human spirit and, and innovation, and we've seen time and time again that new players have entered markets and taken on some of the largest of the large For and sure. actually won. Yeah. And so, you know, before I think about breaking up, I, I like, it, you know, is there a possibility for innovation to come in? Because usually one of the things that the, the larger companies are not at, uh, as good at is the innovation in the speed. Right. Where smaller companies can uh, typically out-innovate and move faster than a larger company. God, it's, it's so true. Now, there's always exceptions. Yeah, yeah no, no, but I, 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 I've done projects for like huge companies and trying to get things done is like trying- You just can't move fast, right? It, it's like driving a cruise ship. Yeah. You know, you can't turn that thing around and you can't be like, hey, okay, we're going to do this now. It's like it, every, there's so many checks and balances with these things. So I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, uh, so what, what do you, where do you see kind of the, the future of social, especially with the 2020 election, everything that ha happened before, um, people using bots to for, you know, sway opinions, Cambridge Analytica, all of that. Do you have any predictions of where you think it might be going in the next, you know, few years? Well, I've seen an evolution, like particularly on the employee advocacy side. So, so I'll I'll leave the kind of the big consumer realm to the other folks out there that want to pontificate. But what I've seen is an evolution on the employee side because you know when I first started this thing, there was really nothing happening, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then then a few years later, it was all about well, I just want to post some content. Right. Let me get my employees to post some content. And that's kind of all that you really needed to do back then, because there wasn't as much noise, frankly. And then it was all about engagement. You know, how do I get how do I get my employees to actually be more engaged out there rather than just sharing content? And where I see this going and I see this going as quickly as 2020 is now. It's about kind of that user generated content. Right. My employees become not only beacons to some degree, but they become content creators unto themselves, yeah. which mm -hmm. doesn't mean that every piece of content they create is really designed for the outside world. But they actually start communicating internally in a way that's more visual, that's leveraging some of these new technologies. And that's pretty exciting with what we can do now. We can start telling stories internally in the company. And then the company can make some decisions about what, you know, some of those stories might be aligned with what they're trying to get to the outside world. 
and then have people share that to the outside world. So I, I see a whole potential around that, that, that I think is pretty exciting. That's a great point. And, and to the idea of user generated content, even if the content is not directly related to the company, it's still going to tie back to the company in some way and keep you top of mind. So the more content that gets out there, the more top of mind a company stays. Now, uh, I wanted to bring up, because it used to be like back in, I don't remember the years exactly, but like let's say 2010, for instance, a business page on Facebook could put out content and you wouldn't necessarily need your employees to share it because it would just get the same reach as your personal profile back then. Right. So with uh, so with your software, I, I imagine in a lot of ways, you are replacing some of the need for um, you know an ad budget for promoting content because you're getting your customers to actually share it to the personal profiles and spreading it in a more organic fashion. Uh, is that so? Is that like one of the key benefits here too? Is that you're you're kind of bypassing the ads platform in a sense uh, by or by leveraging the way that the social network um, algorithms work? No, I, I wouldn't say that we're bypassing. I, I'd say that we're complementing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's some tremendous underlying technology around uh, social ads. I mean, with what you can do now with ads to get to the right people that you don't know, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, and so I don't want to diminish that at all. What I think it can, where, where, why I say that it complements it is you know, ads are ads. Ads are not authentic in in terms of engagement in conversation. Mm-hmm. Your employees are. And that's where your employees come in. So, you know, you can layer the two together and have amazing results. But they're what different, a, right? Yeah. So so what are the what are the best advertising platforms in your mind that that people should really look at? Like wh- wh- when you when you look at doing social ads, uh, what's your favorite? So we we look at platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn, but I that doesn't mean that every company should look at those platforms, mm-hmm. right? W- what they should look at is okay, where where's their audience? Is their audience in Facebook? Is their audience in Instagram? Is their audience on LinkedIn? Is it on Twitter? I mean, that's I, so. My recommendation, if if you're really going to be smart about, especially if you're beginning in advertising, don't try to do them all. Pick one where you know your audience is and get really good at that. What I I like about what you were talking about a second ago, too, though, is that um, by leveraging your customer stories and content, I mean, you're, you're putting a heavy layer of social proof that doesn't doesn't come from an ad. Uh, Right. And you're now you may use an ad to uplift that story that yeah. came from inside your company. That's cool too. Yeah, to, to boost it for an even broader reach completely. But I mean, I, I do like how you're fostering this. You're basically fostering a culture of internal testimonials in some sense because that's right. I'm sure that um, a lot of the content may not be a direct testimonial, but at times they're going to say positive things about the company, and there's going to be um, you're you're essentially driving at least the, the spirit behind more of those testimonials. Well, and if you look at like like some of the research that Edelman has put out there in in their annual surveys, and you look at the the trust barometer, mm-hmm. what do consumers trust more? Do they trust the brand? Do they trust the CEO, or do they trust the rank and file employee? And time and time again, it's always the rank and file employee yeah. over the brand, over the CEO, or the customer. I would say too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the customer tends to be social proof too, right? Yeah. So if you know the customer yourself, that's pretty powerful, mm-hmm. right? Because the the last time that you, you know, bought a widget or a car, wh- whatever it is, if you knew somebody who has that and you say, hey, what do you think of this? That That carries a lot of weight. It does, yeah. And hmm. the same thing, if you know, if you're connected with somebody who works at a company, and you reach out to them, say, hey, you know, what's the truth? All right. I, I, I see what you're telling me on the ads. I see what you're telling me. That, what's the real skinny here? Yeah. So uh, so moving forward, like like where where do you see kind of how interaction is going to be different, like in, in the future? Like because because there's definitely been this this evolution that I've seen of 
uh, how social media works, how people do uh, outreach, the types of content that people are creating. I mean, video is obviously uh, a big deal. Is there any particular types of content that you feel is superior to other types of content? Like as far as, I mean, obviously it's going to be from uh, company to company, but what kind of in- content do you see that people engage with best? Uh, again, that's going to be really company and industry specific, right? Uh, so depending on your audience, because if you think about it, let's break this down uh, broadly, right? How many different learning styles are there? There's at least three different learning styles, right? And so people are going to react to different things. So if you if you have a lot of people in you know a visual mode, right? If your buyers are very visual, obviously things like images and videos are going to be really, really powerful, you know? So that's what you really have to think. I I'm, I'm always cautious of giving everybody a big bathrobe. That's one size fits all because what it does, it takes the burden off them, which they actually need to pursue, which is really understanding more about who their buyer is and what's the best thing for the buyer. Because I, 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 you you guys see this all the time, right? You, you see somebody out there, they're saying, oh, you know, you know, Facebook is the, the new thing and, and video is the new thing and this is the new and, and all that. And everybody runs to that. But that, that negates the whole idea that um, every company has a different set of buyers and they really need to understand their buyers to know what medium and what places and what kinds of content and what kinds of engagements are going to be right for them. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't answer your question, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about that because I, I think it, I, it's too easy to overstate that, oh, hey, video's great. You should, you should switch your whole strategy now to video. And it's just not the case. Right, right. You got to really be, you know, put it, spread it across different channels, if you will. So, or not, or maybe there's one channel that's killer for you. Well, hey, ride that horse. Yeah, industry specific. Yeah, yeah. And and how how relevant do you feel email marketing is nowadays in all of this? Oh, it's a great question. Um, you know, email is it's it's still foundational as a communication mechanism. I just think that email is a little busy, (laughs) (laughs) a little noisy. And it's not to say that social and other digital formats aren't busy and noisy, and they are. But I I think where email has come into play is there's been the, the forgetting of some principles around basic communication. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And, and maybe I'm a little old fashioned, but uh, it's just like you can if I go to my inbox now, I'm just it's like people take the same idea and they cookie cut it across companies and you just see the same sales pitch just with a different product. Mm-hmm. It's I like, know I'm, I'm a prince who like, oh. lot, like I need my money or Mr. Sturgeon, <laughs> yeah. you're the only living oh relative I, it's over <laughs> and over again. But you know what? To be fair. And I'm also seeing that now in things like LinkedIn messages. Oh my God. You know, yeah. I'm, oh, oh God. that's the worst. That's the worst. And and listen, if if you if you market through LinkedIn, please just whatever you do, do not go, hi, thanks for adding me to your network. I'm wondering if you are responsible for the blah, 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 because our company does X, Y, and Z and we offer these services. It's like I just connected with you. I don't want to hear yeah. your Link, LinkedIn message. Messenger really is like the most abused platform. <laughs> right now yeah it's so many of those are the most generic cookie cutter copy and paste messages and maybe they use a merge tag or two like i might they might have a merge tag for my company name to try to make it look personal but it's it's so obvious to me anyone that knows anyone that knows how it works it's like super obvious and i just ignore all of them <laughs> unless there's a personalized so, so my, unless there's a personalized line in there and then i'll read it my my approach to this is like and, and again it's not just email it's really any any modality you choose it's like Let's add value. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can add value to somebody, whether it's a piece of content or or maybe a new way to think about what they're they're doing, let's add value 
And if we added some value, maybe they'll say, hey, let's have a broader conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and we talk about that a lot on the show about, you know, being authentic, adding value and uh, creating, you know, giving something that is going to be, uh, of, you know, yeah, value to to someone instead of just, you know, trying to get something from someone. And I think writing writing these in a more personalized, as if it's like written for an individual instead of written for a group uh, also can help a little bit on the uh, on the personalization side. So it feels like it's not, you're not just blasting out a message to everyone because, you know, inboxes are flooded with those these days. So I, I think the, however you can make it appear personal is the, is the trick to kind of cut through the noise. Uh, but yeah. I don't want to get too far off topic here. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and we're, we're coming to the close of the show, but uh, where can we find you? Tell us a little bit more about like how people can sign up for the platform. If they're interested, follow you, what you're saying, get your book, uh, you know, visit, you know, see pictures of your cat, whatever. <laughs> start a demo. We start a demo of the software. Yeah. Well, uh, so we actually put together some free resources you can check out. You can go to gagalamp.com forward slash marketing geeks. All right. It's gagalamp.com forward slash marketing geeks. Nice. And um, if you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Glenn G. That's uh, at Glenn with two N's G. Uh, and if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, I just ask that in your message to me, please <laughs> add a message saying that, oh, you heard me, you heard me on Marketing Geeks, and that's why you want to connect. Cool. I'm going to send you a message request uh, awesome. right after the show. So uh, right on, man. Well, thank you for uh, breaking it down for us. And and uh, tell me, what are you geeky about right at this moment? Okay. so. Um, over the summer, I did a 200-hour yoga certification to be able to teach nice. yoga. Nice. Nice. And where did you take it? Uh, I took it through Core Power Yoga. Okay. And I'll tell you, it was it was a lot of yoga, and <laughs> I I have never felt better. Shoot. I mean, I was do, I I missed one day over the summer of doing yoga. That was it. That's a long wow. certification, 200 hours to get certified. 200 that's hours, yeah. I think that's a good thing. I think uh, a lot of companies will certify after probably eight hours. So uh, having 200, <laughs> at least it at least it shows that you went through the proper uh, training. So I think that's good. Yeah, and, and it, was, it, was, it was enlightening for me to kind of see what's really kind of, because I had taken a lot of yoga, uh -huh. but being on the other side where you start to actually break down the moves and understand it, it was, it was pretty fascinating. And what, it, what it means for your body. Cause I I've done yoga, but I've, I have no idea like what I'm doing when I'm doing it. I'm just following the instructor. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. So but what, I, uh, it's, I, it's I, awesome. are you going to, are you going to teach your, like, are you, do you do yoga classes for your employees? What are you going to do with it? Or are you just going to be like, Hey babe, I'm a yoga teacher. I mean like what, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I, I took it without the intention to become an instructor, but now that I have it, hmm, who knows? Maybe I will. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a yoga app uh coming, I'm sure. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, a training, a software <laughs> training, virtual training <laughs> yoga instructor. <laughs> Justin, what are you uh what are you geeky about right now? Uh not uh not too much. Just geeky about catching up on a bunch of work. I just came back from a podcasting conference last week uh, called the New Media Summit. So I'll give a shout out to uh, Steve Olsher and his crew out there. Um, but I, I got a lot of follow-up to do after that. So uh, that's what I'm geeky about. Far out. I, uh, I'm geeky about, I'm actually, we're using a new, uh, a new platform for recording. So hopefully that will uh, come out good. And uh, I just found out that Disney Plus is going to be, uh, they're offering it right now. You can get it here in the Netherlands. Uh, and so I'm I'm starting to just barely get geeky about the Mandalorian. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll hopefully in, in an upcoming episode, I'll just spoil the whole show spoiler. for all of us. Oh, you know I will. I love spoiling. Two weeks, I'm going to geek out. I'm going to Disney World to check out the new Star Wars. Oh, you got, oh, you got the special tickets. You got the golden tickets. <laughs> man, you have, to, you have that, to wait for those, right? Or is, that, or is it now? Kind of no, open it's now? open now. It's finally open. It's okay. open now, yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, I uh, yeah, you got you to gotta let us know. How much are Disneyland tickets? I was going to ask. How much are Disneyland tickets? Are they like $200 now per park or what? 
Uh, I, I think they're north of a hundred dollars. I oh, mean, you can buy a multi-day, yeah. but it, like if you're going to go in just for one day, yeah, it's definitely, they're definitely north, north of a hundred. I know that. I don't know. Yeah. It's been a while, but they're definitely north of a hundred. <laughs> Man, that is, that is, uh, it's a uh, Disneyland is an expensive hobby, but it's a commitment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, should, uh, should they break out, break up, uh, Disney? So the MCU gets all the characters and then we don't have like a universe where Spider-Man just jumps in and jumps out again. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what I found fascinating? If you go to Universal Studios, they have a whole Marvel true, uh, right? section hmm. of Universal, uh, which is right down the road from Disney. So what are they going to do now? Like, when does when does that license end where they suck that over into the world of Disney? That's a great question. And I, I, wow. I'm curious. I know they own, I think they own the Hulk is the only character that Universal owns. But, um, but yeah, every other, I mean, that's, they got to get rid of all the other characters. You're right. Disney, yeah. Disney is wow. <laughs> Or pay a pay a bucket of money. Yeah. I mean, they did. You know, didn't they pay? They just paid like a billion dollars for Big Bang Theory. Like that was AT and T. Yeah, that's crazy town. Crazy yeah. town, <laughs> man. And I, I I I pride myself on the fact that I've never seen that show, not one episode. Same here. But yeah, oh, <laughs> good man. It's like it's like yeah, I'm the one. Well, so, I have. Uh, it's okay, but I've seen it. <laughs> Is so, it worth a billion? Uh, no, well, nothing is worth a billion dollars for, especially for temporary licensing rights. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Maybe it's got an audience that big, but a billion bucks is insane to me. I, I, I wonder, I didn't check how long that contract is. I hope it's at least a decade for a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> or for Ladies life, maybe they, they should buy the show for a billion. Glenn, Glenn, God that everybody, thank you so much. And with that... Another fine, fine episode comes to a close. Thank you. Glenn, did you have a good time today? Yeah, I sure did. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate being on the show. Oh, man, it was it was great. Where, where, what part of the country are you in? Uh, I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. 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 I'm in the Netherlands. Yeah, I got, I'm in California, so we got West Coast, East Coast, and Netherlands wow. representation. Uh, Glenn, can you give us that link one more time uh, as we're closing down here? Yeah, it's, it's gagalamp.com forward slash marketing geeks. Okay, and then remember, G-G. when you connect with him on LinkedIn, make sure to mention that you heard him on the show, Marketing Geeks, the hit podcast that you're listening to right now. That's right, for all of our seven listeners. So, uh, yeah, check it check it out. Like, uh, go to the link down in the description below. Uh, and uh, please leave a review of the podcast if you haven't already. Tell 500 of your closest friends about us. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, again, for listening. And uh, next week, we're going to have more news, more awesome guests, connect with uh glenn uh check it all out and we love you and with that stay classy